Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 30. In this chapter, we have the well-known biblical account of David's victory over Goliath. In the first half of the chapter, we have a description of Goliath and the challenge he presented to the camp of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning of verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, in camp between Soko and Ezekiah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you are servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man, that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephraimite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advancing years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, 
What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Let's begin our study of this chapter with some background notes. The beautiful Valley of Elah is located about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem. The Philistines were located on one side of the valley, and the Israelis were located on the other side of the valley. The Philistines had a champion warrior named Goliath. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. Now, I'm sure today he would be approached by one of the NBA teams (laughs) and offered a contract to play professional basketball. His armor weighed about 125 pounds. Just the head of his spear weighed about 16 pounds. Goliath came out of the ranks of the Philistines and challenged Israel to send out a warrior for a contest, as was often done in the ancient world. The battle would be decided by the contest between the individual warriors, but no one from Israel accepted the challenge for obvious reasons. Would you? Well, young David just happened to be visiting his three oldest brothers who were in the Israeli army at this time. And he saw and heard Goliath and the challenge. David was told that King Saul had promised that whoever killed Goliath would be given the king's daughter as a wife and thus become the son-in-law of the king. Furthermore, he would be made wealthy and his family would become tax-free in Israel. What a deal. So David asked why hadn't anyone taken up the challenge? And furthermore... How could this pagan Philistine be allowed to taunt the armies of the living God and be such a reproach to Israel? When David's older brother Eliab heard David asking these questions and showing a willingness to take up the challenge, Eliab got mad and accused David of wrong motives and told him that he should go back home and care for the sheep. Eliab obviously felt guilty as did many other Hebrew soldiers, for running away scared and not having the courage to fight Goliath. Well, so much for background. Let's move to our doctrinal teaching points from this first half of 1 Samuel chapter 17. So doctrinal point number one, the enemy will always have his Goliaths. The enemy will always have his Goliaths. Now, we certainly don't want to miss the spiritual picture that God has given us here in this chapter. The battles in the Old Testament between God's people Israel and the enemies of God's people generally illustrate some aspect of our spiritual warfare. As Christians, we are involved in spiritual warfare, whether or not we're fully aware of it. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12 Our enemy is Satan and his evil demonic forces. Satan uses the world and the flesh and demonic forces to attack individual believers as well as Christian churches and fellowships. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Philistines, the enemy of God's people, send out their champion warrior, Goliath. What an impressive opponent. Unbeatable, overwhelming, confident, proud, instilling fear in God's people and defying God himself. And Satan has his Goliaths today. Think of the giant of secular science, for example, that will not recognize God. Science today is very impressive in its accomplishments, and it seems so overwhelming in its proud and confident statements that there is no God. And it seems unstoppable in its relentless attempts to remove any idea of a creator. Even God's people run and hide before such an impressive Goliath. Secular science taunts and challenges us so-called ignorant and unscientific Christians and openly defies God. Unfortunately, Christians stand on the sidelines most of the time, as God's people did in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And secular science is just one of many Goliaths of the enemy. The enemy will always have his Goliaths. Where are the Davids? Well, that brings us to our second doctrinal point. The Lord will always have his Davids. The Lord will always have his Davids. In verse 15, we read, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Remember, David was Saul's harp player and armor bearer, as we saw back in chapter 16. David's visits to King Saul, of course, would not have been to the front lines of the Israeli forces. But now David's father, Jesse, sends David to the front lines with some provisions for his three oldest brothers who are in the military. It was here that David saw Goliath and heard his taunts and threats firsthand. Verse 16 says that Goliath had been doing this for 40 days. 40 in scripture is the number of testing. Israel was certainly being tested here as to their courage and faith in the Lord. Would anyone step forward and defeat this impressive-looking enemy of God's people who was openly defying the God of Israel? No one came forward in faith and courage. Verse 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. But the Lord will always have his Davids. We mentioned the Goliath of secular science that defies and denies the creator who is the God of the Bible. Praise the Lord for the Davids that God has raised up in the area of science who have been willing to step forward in faith and courage and take on the challenges of this Goliath who denies and defies God's people. The smooth stone of intelligent design, for example, has certainly hit this giant in a vulnerable area. 
And there are other Goliaths of the enemy forces, for example, in the political arena, that are being stopped in their tracks by conservative and courageous and faithful Christians. The Lord will always have his Davids. Now, what about practical application from this first half of 1 Samuel chapter 17? Let's fight the Goliaths and not our brothers. Let's fight the Goliaths and not our brothers. When David's motives for being willing to fight Goliath were questioned by his older brothers, look at how he responds in verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, hey, I'm just asking a logical question. Is anything wrong with that? Certainly David could have wasted a lot of time here arguing with his brothers. It may have even have caused a family split. But David takes the high road and fights Goliath, not his brothers. You know, we need to do the same. Even fellow believers will misread our motives many times. As a result, many Christians are not fighting the Goliaths, but fighting their brethren instead. Churches split. Christian ministries fold. The work of the Lord is hindered. And the Lord's people are hurt. Meanwhile, the Goliaths keep on marching forward with their taunts and threats, tearing down the truth and openly defying God and his word. Let's fight the Goliaths and not our brothers.